Behold! The sword of power. Excalibur. Welcome to the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast, the podcast where we talk about the Marvel comic series Excalibur and nothing but Excalibur every week for 126 plus weeks, <laughs> or at least we used to. This is, of course, our final episode of the podcast, which we started almost exactly three years ago, meaning it must be time to talk about Excalibur number 125, Tying the Knot. Excalibur number 125 was originally published in October 1998, and the creative team is Ben Robb on writing, Dale Eaglesham on pencils, Scott Hanna on inks, Kevin Tinsley on colors, Richard Starkings and Comicraft on letters, and Frank Peteries and Jason White on editing. On this, our final week, we've got a wedding we don't love, concluding a comic book series we do love, in sickness and in health, till death do us part, and in honor of this mess of mixed feelings, we're doing the only appropriate thing, which is to hold an Irish wake, a celebration of life over the open casket of our beloved Excalibur. To that end, our regular discussion of the issue will be augmented with commemorations of the deceased from friends new and old. But first, as always, for one final time, let us introduce ourselves. I am Dr. Anna Papard. I am a sequential scholar of gender and sexy stuff. I am also the longtime unofficial PR manager of one Mr. Kurt Wagner. I can't clearly remember when I met Mr. Wagner, but it was probably in a movie where he didn't quite seem like himself. I can, however, tell you about when I loved him the most, and that was within the pages of Excalibur. I don't know if he'll ever have a home this good again, but I'm sure I'll continue to honor his Excalorific legacy, however I'm able, in the months and years ahead, and certainly in the hour to come. I am joined, as always, by Mav. Would you like to take the stage to say a few words in honor of the dearly deceased? Uh, it's, it's weird calling the deceased, because even the ones that were dead at the time, they're all back. It's, it's odd. Like, in, in, the, in modern comics, like, all of these people are appearing, well, all the regular. Not Baron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what. It is. And Theron doesn't even appear in this issue unless he's somewhere in the mm-hmm. crowd. I didn't look. But. I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting to like. I am still oddly struck by the fact that we've been doing this for 125 plus weeks because you know behind the scenes 
didn't think we were going to make it for like six, you know, like yes. <laughs> it's just like, who's going to care about this stupid idea. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, but, <laughs> but hi, thank you for enjoying our stupid idea. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav. And, um, for the last time I, you know, co-host this show and another show called Vox Popcast. I'm a teaching assistant professor of Digital Narrative Interactive Design, University of Pittsburgh. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm lots of stuff. I'm, I'm, editor of a book called um batman also starring that that happened during the course of this by the time this comes out possibly i might be a board of directors for pca but i don't know no i don't think i think this will be out before voting so so yes if you if you are a member of pca go vote for me for the board of directors that's a thing that i'm doing i don't know it's a lot of stuff (laughs) going on the last the last few weeks (laughs) yeah i mean it's sort of like we started the podcast you know when covid was still more at its height than it's at now well i don't even know how to measure that anymore but anyway when more stuff was like kind of closed um than it is now yeah i think that would be the way to talk about it it's not like covid's gone away but anyway like now it just like things have picked up so much and i do think that's one of the reasons why it's become harder but um anyway really getting lost in the weeds already um andrew have you got an initial toast to the honor dead yeah i'm, I'm dr j andrew demand i'm, I'm saint jerome's and sequential scholars and the author of the claremont on um, subverting gender, the X Men. Um, mostly, I study Claremont, and at its outset, this was this was his baby. And in its youth, it was an incredible comic, something rare and rewarding and wholly unique. It had a troubled adolescence and made some bad choices that hurt a lot of people and one shapeshifter. But it matured. <laughs> it was never the same in the back half of its life, but it always had its moments, even if it lost its way sometimes. Like many progressives in youth, it became oddly conservative in its old age even to the point of antithesis of its earlier values. And and that could be hard to watch at times, but we always remembered the whole of Excalibur and the enduring threads of brilliance that earned it our lifelong respect. Wow. Beautifully said. Beautiful and sad. It was sad. It was sad. (laughs) My country has an election coming up very soon, and and that that hits particularly hard down here. Oh, (laughs) jeez. We're off to a great start. There's going to be some emotions in this podcast, I'm sure. Um, We'll open the floor to further remembrances very soon, but first, we'll honor your eardrums with a plot summary. Excalibur number 125 opens with Doug Locke still hungover, and then some, from the bachelor party three days ago, being whisked to Otherworld by Widget, where a wedding is about to take place. On the way, Rain apologizes for being angry about that whole quarantine thing. While it's quickly clear to us, the readers, that something is seriously wrong with Doug Locke, who doesn't seem to remember his own name. A bevy of local and multi-dimensional friends and enemies are there to celebrate Brian and Megan being married by Roma. But before the deed is done, we flash back to that convo between Brian and Megan, in which she does way too much apologize and I'm done apologizing for it. Anyway, the wedding occurs with only a few minor hitches, including Kurt forgetting the wedding ring, but that's an easy fix for a teleporter. The Zanias starts afterwards as the ladies fight over the bouquet, which is ultimately caught by a reluctant kitty, followed by the gentleman fighting over the garter, which is caught by a reluctant Piotr. <laughs> Piotr puts the garter on Kitty and comments are made about these two getting married someday, but don't worry, we already know Kitty leaves his ass at the altar. Over the course of the issue, we catch up with Kylan and Cerise and Amanda and Alistair and Rory and Micromax and Pete Wisdom and 
Saturnine, who's apparently still hot for Brian. Also, Amanda and Cerise fight over Kurt. That part sucks. Before the night is through, Kitty, Kurt, and Colossus announce their return to the X-Men, leaving Brian and Megan to do what they will with Excalibur. We conclude with Roma and Merlin realizing neither of them orchestrated the dissolution of Excalibur. Roma wonders whether they should intervene to stop this terrible tragedy. But sadly, free will, by which he surely means the free market, wins the day, and Excalibur does indeed dissolve. <laughs> at least for now. I sort of liked that little like moment of self-reflexivity. Oh, the terrible tragedy of Excalibur's dissolution. Anyway. Um, I have no idea what you guys made of this issue. We haven't talked about it yet at all. Sometimes we do some pre-chat. But um, let's get right into some first impressions. Mav, how do you feel about this one? Are you are you feeling hot or cold on the conclusion of Excalibur? Neither. Mm. This was a was very much a non-issue for me. It was oddly anticlimactic and confusing for me because I sort of I I wanted it to be more of a send-off. I haven't read it in a few years. I remembered the wedding being bigger than it was. I I, I did remember the stupid fights over the garter and the um and the bouquet. I, I recalled that that was going to be there, and I thought there was more build up to the wedding, but most of that happened last issue. So this was sort of a okay, they're married. Let's set up a plot line that you know everyone's going to follow in the new Douglock book. Come on, kids. You're all all interested for the new Ducklock book, right? Like that's that's what this was all about all along. And then, you know, let's 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 sow some seeds for, you know, that we can everyone want to follow along with Rory, Rory Campbell, everybody. (laughs) There's a lot of weird choices here where I'm just like, that was an odd choice. But I, I didn't feel like it was bad. Just odd. And it's like, why are we, why are we doing this? You know, just let it go was how I felt quite frequently in this. So that so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on it, uh, honestly. I remembered liking it more than I did on this go around. And I am a hundred percent sure it has a heck of a lot to do with the fact that we've been podcasting for like 140 something hours about Excalibur and nothing mm-hmm. could live up to my expectations at this point. But um, let me pick up your first impressions, Andrew, and then we can get into it a little bit more. Love it or hate it. Uh-huh. Well, I'm, I'm similar to Matt, sort of back and forth, but I, the specific thought that I had about it was kind of this division between um, intellectual and lizard brain experience. Mm. Like, intellectually, I don't like it. Like, there's so much in here that I feel is let down, and I'm furious that Rachel is barely addressed. But, like, lizard brain, when they're, like, cut to Micromax, and then cut to, like, like people that I didn't even think I was excited to see, I was kind of like, yay, <laughs> and then, like, hate myself for being that excited yeah i mean it's the, it's the last time you're gonna get to see micro max for like 20 years so. <laughs> <laughs> because the voters were cowards yeah <laughs> <laughs> cards on the table did not vote for micro max <laughs> in the x-men election but yeah i don't know like i i remember having a lot of affection for this issue because it is i don't know it is the last time that we're gonna see kind of these characters in a context that resembles original Excalibur, I think is how I would put it. Because again, reading it now, there's like that pale imitation, that bad cover band quality that makes me kind of pissed off given how much care and attention we put into emphasizing the complexity and like world altering, you know, joy of original Excalibur, which this isn't, you know, it's sort of the appearance of those things it's the appearance of the sex farce but without the subversiveness it's just not there it's much more gender normative it's just not like when kurt gives the speech about you know being friends with brian and megan there's no 
suggestion of queerness there. It's just a dude talking about his his bestie, you know, like just that more radical aspect of the series is just very blatantly missing here to me. And even when I think about other times where they've had a party, like remember the party where that they have at Braddock Manor and like, you know, <laughs> Jeff Brown was on that episode. He's like, it's a key party. Everybody's just showing up and making out with everybody. And I was like, mm-hmm. this party has the semblance of wacky wildness, but not that raw sexual energy. You know, it's just missing. Yeah. But I agree it's with you even... that it's it's like, I, I want to have affection for it because again, yeah. it is the closest thing that we've had to OG Excalibur and we we're saying goodbye. So I want to like it yeah. on that level. For me, it's that it's not even... The book's being canceled for a reason, right? So I don't expect mm-hmm. it to to reach that level. It was more that, like, it's a lot of nothing, right? Like, even as a wedding, weddings in superhero books are traditionally, oh, what? who's going to attack? What kind of hijinks is going to yeah. do? None. I mean, it's just fine. They just get married. It's, it's, it's cool. Kurt's speech, like, like, I don't need it to be... A Claremont speech, and I don't need it to be the queer speech that you were that you said you wanted. But it's just as a best man speech, it was kind of lame and generic. Like I've given a best man speech. I don't think that mine's necessarily the best. But like you know, <laughs> you, you go to a wedding, and these are people you know and auspiciously love. This was like a. I'm glad they're in my life. Well, let's <laughs> dance, everybody. And I'm like, okay, like like it just it it, it sent, that felt empty. So similar to andrew like the thing that i thought was cool was oh okay so micromax is here ladies and gentlemen cerise you know like it it was a lot of yeah. all right i guess i guess we'll like point at some people member berries are cool and then then but then you end up with the like i i don't i don't understand the logic of inviting nazi excalibur like i like yes. that was a, yeah. that's a weird I have, that, I have that in my notes what the right, hell so that's where I'm at. Like the like I, I, I sort of appreciate the acknowledgments that they have. Like it absolutely makes sense that um that Betsy's here. She, right. Where else would she be? Her twin brother's getting getting married. And I love that, you know, there's even nods to I've got a lot going on in my life right now, but this is I'm here for my brother. Like I like little bits like that as far as, you know, trying to situate them in the X-Men universe one last time. But then there's other stuff like why is Nazi Excalibur here? Why is Lockheed suddenly invested in Piotr and 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 Kitty getting married? Because that's that's not where Lockheed has ever been. Like he likes Ooh. he likes Colossus, but it's a but it's weird things like that. That like if there were a storyline that were coming up in, you know, coming soon in the new X-Men, but I've read those issues and that's not a thing. So this wasn't an editorial mandate because that's not how their relationship works out in that particular comic. They do eventually end up getting together in the, in, you know, in the history of, of Marvel comics, but like, this is not a Lockheed's really pushing for this. Like, so I don't know what we were doing this for. I can buy the Lockheed thing because he's been a Kitty and, and Peter Shipper in the past, but uh, I'm not sure. To, to that level? A, maybe not to he's that not, level. Yeah, he's but. not. He's mani- he's manipulating situations. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a weird thing for him to be doing. The spirit of the day just caught his caught his heart, yeah. I guess. I mean, the Nazi Excalibur yeah. thing. I mean, it's just like, I, you know, I don't want to spend the whole episode on it, but it is just really like, you have the page where, like, they're exchanging rings and you have Nazi Megan with the swastika right in the middle of like the big like mostly splash page and I'm just like oh boy Dale this was a choice (laughs) you put a swastika right in the middle of the wedding (laughs) what 
like literally we went on the cross time cape why not crusader x like literally anybody else right like there are there are other captain brit captains britain captain britain's captains britain Cap it's gotta be captains britain like, like <laughs> attorneys general there are other captains britain that one could invite to the wedding like there are things that you could do and this was a choice to like remind us that nazi excalibur was out there for several panels they're in they're they're in the background a few times and it's they're like prominent. why why was this choice made and and like i okay like my little excuse for it is like it does sort of make sense in terms of what we know about the captain britain corps like it's like divorced from those kind of quote-unquote political like considerations i mean like that's why nazi excalibur got to go to brian's trial that time and like mm -hmm. we have a bunch of other captains britain here so like i guess everybody just got to come like presumably brian and megan were in charge of these invites but i have to think behind the scenes if if like brian and megan are getting married they must have some control over the guest list i mean i would simply refuse to get married on other world if the nazis had to be mm -hmm. invited and yet they chose to do this anyway and i'm like come on guys I'm, <laughs> so much not, of I'm not i'm not mad at the characters though i'm mad at editorial like this yeah, is yeah, your yeah. last issue like okay logically if you say nazi excalibur has a right to be here because this is the way that the captain britain corps works fine but this is your final issue you can draw anything you want why focus on that right like i actually thought it was cool that saturnine's there and it's like, because the times that we've seen Saturnine, she has not had this level of crush on Brian. So it's kind of not, I mean, the signs that we've seen her in Excalibur, I should say. Uh, it yeah. hasn't been as explicit as it was in the Captain Britain series. So, so you kind of go, oh, kind of neat that like now that she can't have him, oh, he's taken. So now I'm bitter. Like, I kind of like that as a, as a, as a character beat on this way out. And then there are other things that just like sort of pulled me out of it. So I don't well, yeah, I think let's go through let's go through some of our sort of highs and lows of the <laughs> character cameos. But first, I think it's about time we got to the first of our remembrances. And um, in honor of him being our first guest, I think we're going to welcome Brad. Hey, kids, this is Brad Mendenhall from the Cosmic <laughs> Geppetto podcast with Jessica. It's 300th and final episode. Speaking of final episodes, congrats to everyone who has been part of the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Well podcast. I was lucky enough to be the first guest on this amazing project. It was an honor to join three of the absolute best in podcast world. From Andrew's understated brilliance to Mab's insightfulness and charisma and, of course, Dr. Anna Papard. <laughs> she was a frequent guest on Cosmic Geppetto. I own two shirts she produced. I read her book on superhero sexuality. I am a Dr. Anna fan. Big thanks to all of you for bringing a spotlight to one of my all-time favorite comic series. You did it justice and look good doing so. <laughs>
Did he okay. cut special music for that? I, I was wondering. I was assuming that he did. I was very produ- impressed by the production value. Also, if the rest yeah. of these speeches today don't compliment her attractiveness, I will be very disappointed. I mean, the looking good doing it was the part that I'm taking solace in. I think we've got another remembrance before we get into some more particulars. Hi, this is Michael Hancock, congratulating the oh golly, oh gosh, oh wow crew on over 125 episodes covering the highs and lows and the lows and lowers of Excalibur. (laughs) I count myself very lucky that you invited me to talk with you about these characters and stories. On a personal level, from the start of the podcast, your commentary got me to appreciate the depth of the Claremont and Davis runs in ways Mm. I've never had before. And as the podcast draws to an end, you reconnected me to some of the issues that got me into superhero comics in the first place. It's been a real pleasure listening to you all, and I'm excited for whatever you do next. Three cheers for Kurt, justice for Megan, and give category <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's go. Let's dive back in and talk about some of our favorite cameos. And we all hate Nazi Excalibur, but are there ones yeah. ones that we liked? Or well, we can do gripe ones too, because I feel like even the ones I liked, I I have a little bit of gripes about. But there are some I liked as well. But I'll let you pick one, Andrew. <laughs> cameos or moments that you that you did or didn't enjoy. Okay, so so the, I'm I'm gonna go out on this podcast the way that I, I promised I would. Um, Please. The scene where Megan walks into a room that has been trashed by Brian and her immediate reaction is, have you been drinking again? Mm-hmm. Why would you remind us of that? <laughs> that she is traumatized by his abuse and drinking. That was like a, wow, I can't believe we're, yeah. So that was a problem for me. I was a bit shocked by that too. I was like, oh, that's a heavy context to just bring up in this particular moment. And it was handled a bit weirdly. He's like, no, don't worry. And I'm like, oh, I didn't understand he was so close to tipping off the wagon constantly. (laughs) I thought this was maybe most, I mean, I realize it's an ongoing struggle. I realize, but I, you know, the reference to it was interesting, but I was like, especially given how little he apologizes and how much she apologizes, and that's mm-hmm. an ongoing issue. I'm just like, oh, geez, I don't just, like this marriage. No. Okay, Agre- agreed on that part. I read that entirely differently. I thought that was a projection of hers. I thought that was a mm. deflection. Uh, like, I, I mean, I actually read that very intentionally. Of what's going on, Brian? Um, is it is it you? Are you drinking? Because she knows oh. what she's done, right? Like she she's feeling guilty. It's not like this is out of the blue. She spent the last week with Kitty and Moira, like telling her and Rain telling her, no, you've got to talk to him. You've got to talk to him. You've got to. So it's not like this is like she knows what this conversation's about and she's not dumb as you know, she used to always remind us. So so she doesn't think he's been drinking. She's it's almost like, oh, maybe he'll say, oh, um, I did have a drink and then therefore we don't have to deal with it. Like, oh, wow. which would be dark, but like, I think she's grasping at straws at that point. Like, I actually don't think, I don't think there's any moment where she thinks that he's really been drinking. I think it's like a, huh. you know, anything to not have this conversation where he's going to leave me because I emotionally cheated on him, which he's not like, like there's no, like, there's no, like, I'm, I'm not saying that he, she, he actually will. He absolutely, even in this relationship, in the context of this relationship, Brian is never, Megan could have have actually slept with somebody else and Brian would have been mad. And then Brian is the guy who would have said, you know what, though, I deserved it and I can't do better. There is a toxicity to their relationship that is a very particular toxicity. And it's not the toxicity where he 
says, I cheated, so she, but she never can, and he leaves. It's the toxicity where he goes, I can't live without her, so, and I deserve it. So, like, so that's what, so, so I think that, I think that she's afraid he's going to leave because she is a, you know, she has abandonment issues, but like, I think mm. that's what this is. I don't think she ever for a moment actually thought he was, he was drinking. See, that's an interesting reading, and I could see it. I'm not sure if I think Megan is sort of even so, like, even, unconsciously manipulative in that way but i but at the same time like even if that reading is correct it's still a very dark portrait of their relationship because it's like oh she's like passively passive aggressively resorting to the memory of abuse in order to deflect a conversation about her potential cheating and it's like you're getting married in like a page so like that's fun (laughs) yeah but i don't think she's i don't think she's deflecting like she's i don't think it's malicious at all I think it's uh, anything to not have this conversation. Maybe if he's drinking again, there was just the bachelor party. So maybe if he's drinking again, that's at least a problem that I know how to handle. I don't know how to handle me being unfaithful, but I know how to, I know how to handle it. It's worse. Yes. That's what what I mean. I, I, and I never, and and I'm, and this is, I mean, okay. So maybe this one last time I'm writing a better comic. I don't know, but like, I never even considered, like, I'm not trying to reparative read it. I just never considered it anything else. I never uh, once read this and said, oh, she's really afraid that he's been drinking. No, she's looking for anything else. Anything that is not telling him that I have feelings for another man. Well, I'll accept your reading of it, Mav. I uh, <laughs> I think it's interesting that we we read it similarly yeah. but differently. I mean, we're we're in agreement about the darkness of it, at least. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's still awful. <laughs> and, but it's uh, a, but it's a moment. It's a moment I like in its awfulness because it reminds me one last time that these are these are not healthy people. These are codependent <laughs> people yeah. who right. like each other because they're the prettiest. That's what they like about each other. Yeah, well, I, I don't disagree there. And it uh, uh, sounds like it's time for another remembrance. Hey, gosh, golly, wow. Adam Reck here. Just wanted to say congratulations. You finally got to Excalibur 125. I've learned a lot from listening to this show, not only from the three of you, but also from your many illustrious guests. So I, I know you're very excited to hit the end of Excalibur. Uh, but know that I will be tuning in next week for your coverage of Weird War 3. Congrats. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that, Adam. Um, <laughs> hate, to, hate to disappoint my one and only. I fear I might in this particular, in this particular case. I, uh, <laughs> I think he should just... I think, it, I think you guys can talk about whatever you want. Andrew and I don't have to be there. That'd be great. <laughs> you, you and Adam, oh you and Adam can have a podcast next week where you, you have, a, right you, you have an in-depth conversation about <laughs> Weird War 3. So, you guys have I, fun. <laughs> I need to take this in a romancier direction that uh, I, I did find it cute that uh, Lila Cheney was playing her song when yeah, the... Yeah. the the first time Adam came on the podcast, I, I used that phrase, and it's uh, become something we sometimes say now. Anyway, um, uh, Mav, any sort of uh, raves or infuriating moments that you liked from the comic? Any cameos or particular moments? I will never be sad to see Amanda Sefton, and mm. I, I I think I'm supposed to believe that this is the actual Amanda Sefton, as opposed to her mom. I don't know why. I don't know how they got back. Uh, it's not addressed. Don't worry about it too much. But like, yeah, that's really her. So I guess, I mean, because if it's not, then it's Kurt's mom saying, no, I will have him. And that's, mm. that's, I mean, like, like, not I, I, like I a character though. So. Yeah. But I mean, so I, yeah, I've obviously, I have defended at length 
the relationship between <laughs> Amanda and Kurt, and I reject mm-hmm. the entire sister notion. And I know not all of our listeners feel that way. I'm not cool with him sleeping with his mom. Any of his, <laughs> any of his moms. He's got, he's, he's, got, he, he's got three moms. Mm-hmm. Don't want him with any of them. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's a reasonable take. That is, that is. I think we can all, all agree on that one. Yeah, there's a weird continuity thing because there's going to be an X-Men Unlimited issue that explains and gets Amanda back in her own body. And it, in fact, is addressed here. But I think publishing order-wise, that issue hasn't come out yet. I think it comes out after. It might be sort of concurrent with this. In any case, that's the, that's the continuity. It before. Thing. Yeah, it happens okay, before it this. Does happen before. I guess. But, like, whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. just, I, I, I think it's nice to see them one last time. I think it's nice to because there's no acknowledgement of, hey, you bitch, you left me without even a phone call that, you know, that might have been something that one might feel, you know, because because remember, she left Kurt by telling Colossus, by the way, tell Kurt I'm blocking I'm breaking up with him Bye. and then he didn't get around to it for like two weeks. So like that, that's kind <laughs> of unresolved and weird. But like I to this day, I like them as a couple. I don't love that she gets into a cat fight over him because yeah. I like I like them as a couple where she is like I, I like that their relationship is has always been I'll see you when I see you and that's cool. And like so I don't want her to be jealous of another of another woman. But like like I'm okay with Cerise being jealous of her. I don't want Amanda to be to, to be the jealous girlfriend. So um so that part's not cool. But I like that she's in it. Yeah, I mean, they end the X-Men Unlimited issue going like, I don't know, they have some splash page where, you know, like tying up loose ends. And it's like, is this, oh, am I an end to be cut or something, Amanda says. And then it's like, no, like an end to be held on to. And then they make out. So they had sort of made... <laughs> made up prior to this if that issue comes first so uh it had been established that they're sort of into kissy times again in a see you when i see you capacity so her like Mm -hmm. coming from limbo to have a you know fun time (laughs) a fun boozy time after the wedding uh, makes sense to me in continuity but yeah the cat fight is just this is a tough one for me i love Mm -hmm. the acknowledgement of like kurt and his many ladies in this issue because he's also like kidding on lila and she's sort of flirting back with him a little bit you know i love this whole thing kurt at a bachelor party not a bachelor party kurt at a wedding seems like a lot of fun and yet i mean i don't know cerise is just here the idea that she would be sort of jealous in this normative way is also really silly what she says about Kurt leaving her is not how that played out at all and Uh, it's just here to do like a generic thing that is again very gender gross and blah if you want to do that beat she's the only one who can though like I I reject it I reject it from I mean so because you're saying you know Lila's there if Kurt can figure out how to make it happen he will absolutely sleep with Betsy tonight that's the vibe oh, I get that he's, go, that he's going comic, for in this The yeah, comic in this suggests comic. that they're soulmates because they walk down the aisle with like characters to whom their souls are symbolically bound. And like Kurt walks down the aisle with Betsy because like Kitty yeah. walks with Piotr and Rain mm-hmm. walks with Doug and like Kurt walks with Betsy. And it's like, wait a second. Yeah. And I get it because like, obviously, yes, I would like my twin sister to be the maid of honor in my wedding. I get that. You know, like, sure. 
but like the the soulmates line is weird because Warren because she is dating Warren at this time and he yeah he is there and there's a you know allusion (laughs) to their complicated relationship but the actual line is each pairing of bridesmaid and groomsmen symbolizes a union a connection the binding of souls the aisle down which Mm -hmm. they walk represents the journey that is life the altar the end of that journey and it's like oh that's I mean anyway it's interesting because I don't really understand as a Kurt Wagner um you know fan i think it's safe to say after all this time (laughs) um i have done some forensic analysis of like the kurt and betsy pairing because claremont later tries to make it happen with an alternate universe version of betsy Mm -hmm. in bloody bess in his nightcrawler solo series and like has them really flirting with each other in his series uh drawn by alan davis when you know what his third return to x-men so this is sort of a relationship that gets toyed with but at the same time it's x-men and everybody slept with everybody so i don't put a ton of stock Mm -hmm. in it but you know my fan fiction brain is like there's some some fun symbology of her you know being with like an angel and a devil guy that's sort of you could do something with that in theory but uh i don't really have a sophisticated take on it i think i think that they wouldn't they wouldn't work out particularly well long term it's one of those ones where i think he'd be into her i can't really see her being into him is this Mm. a what really i mean not even for Mm. not not long term but for but for a fling at a wedding like people maybe happen at weddings sure Just think she's into macho or guys when yeah. she's into guys. She was into Doug. She was into okay. Doug. Like- Listen, they just <laughs> talked about that on Battle of the Atom. And their thing that they said about that was that moment is one of those ones like Professor X saying he has a crush on Jean where it's like, we don't have to remember that. It was weird. I, it made no sense. We he, could he leave that. it up a couple times later. He revisits it. It's definitely, it's definitely canon. And see, cause I, I think Betsy is, in fact, and here's my better version of this story, right? Like my fanfic version is that everyone gets drunk and the looser characters do just have an orgy. Look, we're not going to talk about this in the morning, but but like there's a world where Warren is absolutely down uh, for, for, for anything, right? Like that that's just oh, his yeah. character and it always has been. Uh, right. And I mean, always like going back to X-Men number one, right? Like he is always in as much as you could have a player, that's what he's been. So Warren's down for anything. Amanda's absolutely down for anything. Kurt can be convinced to be, you know, it depends on, Cerise. it depends, it, it depends on what. Cerise, when written better than she is here, could be convinced <laughs> to be. You sold so, me like, I'm in on yeah. this orgy. I'm in. Right. <laughs> Yeah, like no, 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 no. Piotr and Kitty, they're out. They're 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 too straight laced, yeah. especially at this point in their lives, and too com- and too complicated. We know that if you get Alistair drunk enough, like we know right. that from the cross time caper, oh. you can get him in on this. Like Alistair this and Betsy are the ones that are hooking up at this wedding. <laughs> 100%. 100%. All right. I think we have another remembrance uh, of of our wonderful comic book series. Hey there, it's Daisy Letourneur. You may remember me lamenting what Lobdell did to Rachel in issue 75. Now I'm supposed to pick one memory from Excalibur, and how can I choose just one? I could talk about that time that Kitty clawed her way out of werewolf skin, or when Mm -hmm. Rachel toyed with her outfit, or maybe when any other time that a member of the team donned some sexy costume with various degrees of comfort. <laughs> I should probably talk about the transformations, though. 
Megan turning into Nightcrawler or Nigel Frobisher mm. turning into the Vixen. Rachel and Megan turning into each other. Kitty turning into Widget. Rachel turning into Brian and everyone turning into Big Brian and the whole Excalibur comic turning into a different kind of comic each month. <laughs> Because the, the hardest thing I ever had to learn, the most wonderful and magical thing too, was that I could change, that I could become a woman. So of course I'm going to pick a transformation. Of course I love art that's all about the joy of possibilities of new fantastic worlds you find yourself into and inhabiting a new fantastic body. But which one can I choose? Oh gosh, oh golly. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, that's beautiful. That was a Daisy. great way to end. Thank you so much. I love that. Well, maybe speaking of transformations uh, or lack thereof, I was just thinking about after all of that buildup of Megan picking a wedding dress, this dress fucking sucks. <laughs> I yeah. like Dale as a penciler. I think he's doing some good work here, even though I, I do think some of this is rushed. His backgrounds are pretty minimal doing this oversized issue, clearly on a deadline. But like, I mean, when we have a superhero wedding, I expect a certain level of pomp and circumstance. I'm not saying Mary Jane's wedding dress is great. Yes, I'm not that, saying the Jean Grey the wedding dress is great, but like they're big, they're impressive, they're memorable. Oh, the Mary Jane like, dress is great. The, the Mary Jane dress, dress was designed by one of the greatest designers of real life so it yes. is a very period dress and monica your co-host has yes. written extensively about that dress yes. uh for and the middle spaces her, right? and people should go and read it mm -hmm. but yeah this is not that this is this is a okay a wedding dress well i don't know it's white <laughs> like it's that's what it... there's nothing megan about this dress it's such no. a generic dress and it's so disappointing like I don't know. Megan is beautiful and she doesn't even like look great here. I'm just like, she looks better in the pages where he draws her in the casual clothes. Like, I don't know. I just, it's, it's frustrating. I like the, I like the scene where they kiss and the big sparkle glow thing, but the dress itself, it's like, oh man, like this is the day that Megan wants to remember for the rest of her life. And she has to be clothed in this manner. I'm sad for her. <laughs> But okay, so, anyway. so maybe one more Megan point real quick mm. when she's in that scene with Brian. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm, I'm just harping at this point, but it's fine. It's <laughs> she, last she actually... chance, Andrew. Double down. Do it. Okay, so this is the exact line I'll give you. And this is the biggest red flag for you are not ready to get married. She says, I guess I just couldn't handle being alone again without you, mm -hmm. without someone. And you're Someone. Like, oh my god, you cannot get married. Yeah, she pretty much just says, like, I'm in a relationship because I can't stand being alone. Let's get married so I don't have to think about it. And you're like, again, that is a reason people get married. It is not a reason you should get married. My goodness. Yeah. Would it have been better if she'd actually cheated? Would would that work better? Yes. Yeah, 100%. I think so too. Like I, I think that I I mean it's kind of weird because Marvel is at a place in time where where that story just cannot happen, right? Like yeah, you cannot yeah, have the code even even hinting you can't have the code approved comic where she actually cheats on him and then they get married anyway. That's not the ramifications there. I don't think that they're willing to deal with, especially on characters that there are no immediate. There's no immediate future for these characters at this point, right? Like it's not it's not like you can. We will see them again, but at the time of publication, it's not like 
we know that we'll be following them in the pages of Captain Britain and, ne- and Megan starting in June. You know, like that's not a thing. But, right. So. Well, Ben Rob hmm. will have another another go at them, but, uh, yeah, so but he doesn't know when. That up. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But I so. will say counterpoint to Megan um, in terms of fashion. Brian's boots go all the way up. And uh, I am not mad at those boots in several of Dale's very elongated renditions of them here. But um, anyway, I think we have another remembrance. Hello, this is Hunter Felt, uh, a.k.a. the world's biggest Cerise fan. Uh, I just want to say that uh, uh, it was, I don't know when this was, sometime after quarantine, when I was getting back into X-Men fandom and I suddenly realized that there was an entire podcast about my favorite Marvel book of all time, which is uh, Excalibur. Uh, And I decided, you know what? This sounds like fun. I'm going to just start listening to this podcast. And I had no idea uh, that I would just become obsessed and enter this world of uh, uh, comic book scholarship that I never really knew about. And then actually popped up on the show, which was a trip. And I think you can tell from my appearance that I was really confused. It's like in the movie where you're inside a movie that you're, and suddenly you're talking with like your favorite characters. Uh, and uh, it sort of changed my life. It was sort of like uh, my cross time caper. Uh, so uh, congratulations for all of it. And thank you guys so much. Uh, it, it's been, it's been a blast and I'm going to miss it. Biggest and only Cerise fan. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I wonder. He, he Let us know. All the time on Cerise though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us know what you I, one, what you made of Cerise's <laughs> Cerise's appearance in this one, Hunter. <laughs> yeah, I think we've got one more remembrance. Well, we've got many more remembrances, but one more right now. Hi, this is Johnny Walker, guest star of the I assume fan favorite episode about Excalibur <laughs> number seventy six, Dog Years, the one where an upside down Kurt just barely holds a hospital gown over his dick <laughs> with a delicate curl of his prehensile tail. When I first stumbled across the title, Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, somewhere on the internet, I was astonished because I instantly knew what the podcast had to be about and simultaneously couldn't believe that that was possibly what it was about. Could there actually be a podcast about Excalibur? That comic book I'd been so obsessed with as a tween that combined the X-Men with a Red Dwarf-esque nerdy Britcom sensibility, an Mm -hmm. epic, sometimes impenetrable, but often deeply satisfying approach to long-form serial narrative, and the deeply sexy drawings of Alan Davis. (laughs) After a lifetime of assuming I was the only person in the world who knew what the cross-time caper was, it was deeply satisfying to discover both that a bunch of smart, cool people had as many opinions about Rachel Summers as me, and that huge swaths of the book not only hold up to a reread, they're actually better than I remember, more richly character-driven, mm-hmm. more exquisitely drawn, and there's no way I got that joke about Brian getting arrested for solicitation when I was 12. <laughs> I credit the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast with giving me back something that was absolutely precious to me growing up and with helping me realize I'd unconsciously been getting my hairdresser to give me the Rachel Summers queer ginger mullet for the last <laughs> two years. Amazing work, team. And there is time for one question. I would love to ask y'all this. In a post-Hox-Pox X-Men landscape where seemingly any character or plot point from any book, no matter how obscure, is fair game to return, what long-forgotten Excalibur tertiary character or dangling Claremontian plot thread would you love to see return to the comics? 
Mm. Oh, sneaking Excalibur in a or Claremontian. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Wow. It's weird I mean, I like, would, you know, we were just talking about Cerise. I'd love to see her come back again. Yeah. She's appeared a couple of times in, you know, X-Men comics in the last five years, uh, pre-Krakoa. But, uh, you know, we keep introducing more <laughs> sexy bounty hunter, Babelian girlfriends for Curtin. It's like, well, he already has some that we could bring back, but um, that's fine. <laughs> So for me, this is hard because we, we talked about it a little bit on the show. I really liked the Krakoa era. Uh, like, Anna, you didn't. And that's fine. I mean, like, not everybody's going to like everything. Well, I, mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. Mixed I, feel, love, yeah. but, I, love, I love the fan interpretation of what the era was. I don't think right. that I believe the era was that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, there's a lot. Well, that, I'm going to get that. There's a lot that I loved about it. I th- This was the first time that, that I had been just to give a, a caveat of where I was with X-Men, this is the first time I've enjoyed X-Men in about mm-hmm, a decade. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I, mm-hmm. and I thoroughly enjoyed much of X-Men throughout the Krakoa era. Mm-hmm. My least favorite part of the Krakoa era is, or was, cause you know, we're done, but like was the constant revisiting of plot lines that I thought, you know, from, from my childhood as well. There's a, you know, there's a Inferno in the Krakoa era. There's another fall of the Munits in the Krakoa era. There's essentially another, um, another Goblin Queen saga. There's another like techno organic saga. There's, you know, Moira's entire story. I like when you're doing something interesting. Like I'm okay with a story where you're like, Let's a let's address let's finally deal with the missing story of who Nightcrawler's parents actually are, and let's do something interesting about it. That I'm okay with, and I'm okay with. Hey, let's do something interesting with um, the Scott, Jean, Emma, uh, Logan relationship. Those things I like. But when you're just like, hey, let's do Inferno again. Like I I I, I saw that already. I don't need that. So that was like one of my least favorite bits of it. And so I don't know, like. Like, there are characters that, like, if you'd asked me this question four years ago before all this started, I would have totally said something like, what if John Proudstar and James Proudstar were both around mm-hmm. and then they had to deal with each other? But, like, we got that. And that was one of the better the better yeah. examples of that. Like, there's not, there's not, like, people missing where I'm just like, you know, if if only we could see Maggot again. Like, I, whatever. I, I just. <laughs> you got pissed off like, with the Maggot slander. You got it. <laughs> but, no, but, no I, that's, not, that's not a slander. I, I mean, like, I'm saying there's nobody out there where I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll use, you know, like, well, no, see, and I almost made a joke. I was going to say, I, I'll use, like, the Fallen Angels. But we saw the Fallen Angels again, right? Yeah. Like, there was no, yeah. there was, like, they just did all of it. So there's no one where I'm, like, missing you know, like I don't need more Micromax. I don't need more. You know, I like I will always take an interesting take on any character. Like my, you know, I've said, you know, like my favorite characters, like are, is historically Magic. But the reason Magic is my favorite character is because at a formative time of my life, like you know, during my puberty, that was the interesting story was seen this girl get dropped into and have to raise herself in hell. That was formatively interesting to me in a way that like means that story sticks out to me. 
but like before that, she's a she's a third string character, and I will take any interesting third string third string character if you've got an interesting story to tell with it. And, you know, that's hell. We, we just read 125 issues of Captain Britain, Megan, and <laughs> you know, like uh, so, like. I, but I don't. There's nobody for me. There's nobody where I'm like I'm just itching for you know more anybody. All right. Well, I mean, I would put in a plug for Amanda Sefton, maybe someone yeah. we haven't seen for a while. She's been lost in yeah. some sort of dimensional nowhere place for a while. How about you, Andrew? Uh, as a doughy middle-aged man who spends most of his waking hours being surrounded doughy. by young people, because I'm a university <laughs> guy, I would actually not hate to see that Micromax dynamic explored. <gasps> this guy pretending to be this sexy superhero, when in reality, he's just like tired at 11 o'clock and wants to go to bed. <laughs> Okay, since you brought up Max and Micromax, we, Jesus, Andrew, how dare you? You don't deserve that, Andrew. Uh, Don't deserve that. Because I want to rake him over the coals for a couple of his lines in this comic, which were in my notes. So he has this conversation (laughs) with Kylan where he makes this joke and it's like a dick joke, but it's a dick joke where I feel like reveals more than it should. So (laughs) Kylan says... Mmm, big cake. And then we got Micromax originally shrunk down saying, contrary to popular opinion these days, and then he grows, size does not matter. Believe me, Kylan, I should know. And you're like, I get they're making a small dick joke there, but what exactly does Micromax know? He knows that size doesn't matter. So is he saying he's tried to get bigger and it hasn't helped his performance with women? Or is he saying he's tried to do the, you know... Jan and Ant-Man thing uh, that we see later in Ultimate Comics and that also didn't work. I feel like what he's really admitting here is that he's got no idea how to please anybody sexually and he's like, believe me, nothing works. I've tried everything. I'm Micromax. And then, right after that, hurting my little heart, he makes a New Jersey joke that he had to get out of that abominable hellhole called New Jersey. And I'm like, come on. I mean, I have to for my one and only stand up mm-hmm. for the state mm-hmm. of New Jersey against the slander of my one Micromax who, where does he get off on slandering anybody? Come mm-hmm. on. So Andrew, I won't allow you to compare yourself to him. It's ridiculous. Come on. You can do better. Do you have one? Uh, Anna? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like... Again, I like made a I made a bid for Amanda when I did the guest spot on yeah. Cerebro. I mean, it is the kind of thing where <sighs> there are so many characters in X-Men and there's so many sort of elements of it. I mean, I, I definitely and I realize there, you know, there's editorial stuff that dictates this and everything, but it does make me sad and I can't help it. And I know it's just me kind of being a bad fan in some respect that when they did teeny howard excalibur that so few of the members including the core members of the original excalibur team were involved that we didn't have kitty or kurt Mm. involved in that Mm. book it could be that teeny wanted some of those characters particularly nightcrawler i can't say you know given the one scene she wrote with kurt and megan i suspect she would have really liked to play with kurt if he'd been on the table i strongly suspect he wasn't on the table yeah that series always hurts my heart a little bit because you know the core members of excalibur were like i would argue kitty and kurt you know in terms of the tide of the x-men like brian and megan as well but they are involved in that series and i don't mind betsy taking the brian role and of course rachel was involved too i love the betsy rachel thing all of that is great but yeah it just given how much i mean i can't help it i'm a kurt stan i mean what are you gonna do but i mean it, it hurts my heart a little bit given how much of the identity of excalibur is so connected to that classic nightcrawler swashbuckling mm-hmm. you know cross time caper thing i mean 
Nightcrawler was doing cross-time capers before Excalibur. That is like taken from the Nightcrawler sex farce kind of thing. So to have him not involved in that series, I'll never not regret it. I will also never not regret him not being on the pirate ship that Kitty was running. Like there's just a lot of places where he would have had a lot of fun (laughs) in Krakoa as opposed to trying to start a mutant religion, which is probably my least favorite thing for that <laughs> character to be doing, given all of the other things he could have been doing. Didn't even get to be involved in X of Swords. I mean, like, come on. Like, or Ten of Swords. I'm sorry. I forget which thing we're calling it. But whatever. It was like, <laughs> that was they were, obviously, when that got announced, I was just like, oh my god, this is literally Nightcrawler's dream. And then he was not involved at all and they even had to make a self-reflexive comment of him being like i was really insulted that i wasn't invited to any of these sword fights anyway (laughs) oh man tragic tragic for my boy note noted sword users storm and i know i know so well i mean wolverine uh, wolverine has has used the sword but even like whenever it happens, that it just feels like, but 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 why? Yeah. Like know, it's I the know. least. He's got knives for hands. He doesn't need. <laughs> <laughs> Look, anyway. Anthony, yeah. let's break things up with some more remembrances. Hey, this is Dan Grove from Comics XF. You may remember oh, yeah. me from the Excalibur '88 episode. Uh, yeah, I'm the Pete Wisdom guy. Uh, <laughs> if I'm sharing Excalibur memory. Uh, Again, you know, it's it's gonna come back to wisdom. You know, I started reading Excalibur with seventy one, which was one of those obligatory crossovers when they were starting to cram that book back into to being uh, a closer tied X Men title. But Pete was the first time that I stood up and paid attention because he was there to sort of shake up the status quo. Yeah, he was also the self-insert of a bad actor uh in comics that that's true but uh you know to 15 year old me he was he was fun and snarky and rude and sarcastic and and poochy he was very poochy uh (laughs) you know especially because i didn't know who john constantine was at the time but uh, you know eventually i went back and because of this wonderful podcast uh read the old claremont and davis issues of Excalibur, Cross Time Caver and such. And, you know, now I know what good Excalibur stories <laughs> look like. So, uh, you know, thank you guys for uh, a few years of uh, fun memories. Is Dan implying that Pete Wisdom died on the way back to his home planet? <laughs> well, Pete's here. We get like the little flashback to Pete drinking alone. He did not yeah. show up at the wedding. At least we get a little glimpse of him here. Dale gives him the great hair that he gives to everybody. I'm glad that he's taking yeah. even better care of his hair and his sadness. That's good to know. <laughs> Guys, it has been such a pleasure to listen to your podcast, to listen to your evolution, and to have been a part of it has just been. Um, has been fantastic. What you guys have done for the comic book culture and for Excalibur as a book within the larger X-Men comic book family has been fantastic. I'm going to miss you guys doing this podcast, but we always have the episodes to go back and listen to. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Thank you so much for including me in this fantastic uh, space that you guys have curated and made for everyone. And um, I think I speak for everyone uh, when I say that, you know, job well done. 
Wow, thanks. I believe that was Quentin Harrison, who's guested on our pod a couple of times. Thanks Mm -hmm. so much for that, Quentin. I loved all the conversations we had on the pod. It was so great. He was fantastic. Other Dan's go ahead. Well, Dan's he, you know, like jokes aside, I didn't hate Pete Wisdom this read through through as much as he like, gave I us something to talk about we got and some not, good content oh, out yeah. of pete and... right not just and, and not just for the reasons dan said but because i actually think that reading it over a short period of time rather than over the course of 10 years right the book had become a certain thing and pete is a breath of fresh air that shakes up the status quo and makes for some interesting stories mm-hmm. like you you can say what you will about him being an author insert. I think a lot of the you complaints did. about him being an author insert are after the fact trying to find a reason to be mad at Warren Ellis. This is not Ellis's finest hour, but also <laughs> Ellis is a good writer. Like he, I mean, yep. all things aside, Ellis is a good writer, and sure he put an author insert into a comic, but lots of people do, and he did some interesting things with that character that I think are compared to other things that had happened in Excalibur, which we know because we read them back to back to back. I, I, I think the Pete Wisdom stuff actually has a lot of value. I'll always cherish the nipple play. Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's do a couple more moments. I just sort of had, let's touch base with, you know, because we do get some updates about Kylan and, you know, we've already talked about Cerise's a little bit. Well, we didn't talk about Kylan. We finally get to catch up with Kylan's search for his parents and seeing mm-hmm. how yeah, that's going. Anti-climax. <laughs> yeah. well, what were our reactions <laughs> to that? Did you like the little joke or was it just irritating? It irritated me because it didn't make any sense. Because, like, uh, okay, like, the joke is now he has, like, it, are they treating him like he's still seven? Like, I if mean, the I joke like is, that was I the have, implication, yeah. Yeah, if the, joke, if the joke is, I grew up in a, in a barbarian wasteland, so I have no appreciable skills for Earth, and so I live mm. in my mom's basement, yeah. sure. But that doesn't seem to be the joke. The joke seems to be, you know, they don't realize that I left for a year their time, 15 years of my time, and so now I'm being a child again. Like, I don't understand, I, I, I don't understand what they were going for. It's the wrong kind of lame for me. Like, I'm okay with, I'm okay with the, with it being, yeah, all right, so I went off to find them, and it turned out they hadn't even missed, you know, like, I'm okay with, it was lame, it wasn't really an adventure, but that just makes me wonder, then why didn't you come back? Like, it's not like you don't have friends who are superheroes with a mansion. You could have just, you know, called and said, Kurt, come get me. This is awful. And Kurt would have come and got you because he does that. Like, it, it makes less sense than the Farron thing. I do. I do think it makes him a little bit too pathetic because I do think he would have given them a call and been like, let's go on an adventure. But uh, Andrew, what did you think? I, In the context of the story we're in, I'm okay with a sort of throwaway yeah. anti-climax kind yeah. of thing. Um, in the context of like the broader arc we were building around him like like 50 issues ago i might be disappointed by it if i was a kylan fan if i had the cool action figure if you had the action figure yeah that's mm-hmm. exactly him. he's one of the few there's no micromax action figure there's no pete wisdom action figure there's no cerise action figure kylan has an action figure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that like people that we know for a fact people bought <laughs> all right i think we've got another remembrance I'm Darby Harn, guest from Excalibur issue 26, and I just want to thank Anna, Mav, and Andrew from the bottom of my heart. This podcast came along at the exact right time for me. 
it was the middle of the pandemic and I was very disconnected from everything. The pod helped me reconnect to comics, but most importantly, it helped me reconnect to my writing. I honestly don't know what I would have done without the pod and the joy of rediscovering the stories that inspired me to create in the first place. I don't know what I'll do without the pod now, but I know I'm really looking forward to what you guys are doing next. So thank you all so much. Oh, thank you, Darby. We were very touched by by your kind words and how much the pod resonated with you when you came on. I think about it from time to time and I know you've been having some success with your writing and I just hope it keeps going. Hi, I'm Luis from Barcelona and I've been reading the Excalibur books for the first time uh, along with the podcast because they weren't released here when I was younger or they were available for me. And it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for all you've done. We lo- absolutely love the uh, Nightcrawler and the gang here. Uh, <laughs> I was a X-Men reader from the Outback era when uh, I was a child. And it's been amazing. We're going to miss you a lot. Thanks for all your work. Bye. Aw, nice. thank you so much. Uh, I like that. See, you know, we keep talking about this being a comic book series from 30, almost 40 years ago, and yet people still discovering it in the here and now. Yeah. And of course, you know, our our catalog of episodes will not expire. It's a timeless podcast, forever relevant. It is. Hi, so my name's James, a long-term follower of the podcast. Uh, I was just delighted to find there was a lot of other people on the internet who are just as interested in Excalibur as I was. Uh, And so it's been a delight to listen to you all for the last couple of years. And I'm very sorry that the podcast is coming to an end. You've been constant companions through COVID and more. Um, But Excalibur, yeah, um, like many people, I'll have come to X-Men from the X-Men cartoon. Um, You know, growing up in the UK, uh, it was a bit shameful to go to comic stores, but I but I did following the cartoon <laughs> and I kind of kept going with X-Men and got introduced to days of future past and the dark Phoenix saga and God loves man kills and quickly realized Kurt and Kitty were just the best two characters in the franchise. And I couldn't fathom mm-hmm. why they weren't in the cartoon. But when I realized that there was a book with them in it set in the British Isles where I'm from set in Scotland, no less. Um, obviously I had to read it. Um, but when I was reading, it was probably around about the time that Warren Ellis was writing. So I had to get go- going back to the long boxes to dig in and find the old back issues. And so my sense of the continuity was completely jumbled. Um, trying to figure out when Brian went into the time stream, never understood that. Um, but yeah. gradually as I pieced together sort of issues 40 through 50, in fact, all the way through to the end of the Davis run, it was just magnificent because he tied all the loose ends together and it's just set such a high bar for my expectations now of all comics, um, hmm. that unity of plot. That, you know, Excalibur, sad it's coming to an end, but it did lose its way a little bit as they tried to shoehorn it into the rest of the X-Men franchise. I mean, when it's allowed to be its own thing, its own crazy, beautiful thing, uh, Excalibur couldn't be beaten. Aww. That's beautiful. I like Agreed wholeheartedly. I like going around the world like that. Like, you know, we got... Mm-hmm. We got to get, it's, I mean, it, it is weird. I can't remember who, who said they were surprised that, like, oh, people, other people actually read this book. And 
I feel like yeah. that comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently people all over the world so, did. Even yeah. the name, you know, like, like, so earlier we talked about, like, the name was a joke. Like, when we were planning this, mm-hmm. it was just like, let's call it Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow, because no one will know what it means, and that will be funny. And if you go back to the first couple of episodes, <laughs> we even joke about it. We're like, we're not going to explain it for, like, 30 more episodes, so you'll have to just kind of... And then, but like, but, like, no, the fact that people are like, oh, I saw the name, and I was like, I have to listen to this, because I know what it is. It's like, really? You do? I mean, that's, that's kind of neat. It's kind of cool. And, yeah. and that it's not even just... You know, I was gonna say not even just in America, but even the three of us—America and Canada—you know—and then yeah. uh, all over the world. That's kind of cool. So I like that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. In Thank terms you. of like callbacks to to OG Excalibur, I mean, you know, because people have brought that up in their remembrances a lot. I mean, I one of the things I did like—I think this was a really solid joke. So all kudos to Ben Rab was Horatio Cringebottom and Bert showing up to be the photographers and. Mm-hmm smile and say cross time caper that was a good joke that was a solid joke i forgot about that joke and got a guffaw out of me kudos ben you got me you got me this one time <laughs> cool cameo to have i guess it's oh, i don't know that it's amazing but it's 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 another one of those ones where it's like okay i feel like you read some issues I, mm-hmm. I feel like you didn't just come in here and take over the job because yeah. there, we, you know, we talked about it. There were some authors. Um, I'm not going to name any names like Labdell or anything who, where we felt like, Hey, you didn't actually read all these previous issues. You just started writing where you want to start. And that was what you did. And, and this was not, this was not that this felt like maybe not the way that I would have ended everything, but it felt like um, attention was given and a send off was attempted. And this was that. So Horatio was evidence of that. Yeah, I mean, I did like that evidence of sort of going back. You know, while we're talking about Ben Robb, uh, maybe I will do a little bit of remembrance from Ben Robb himself in the form of uh, his contribution to the letter call. So we have letters from Ben Robb and Warren Ellis and our editors, as well as Alan Davis, but I think I'll save Alan's for the end. And uh, Ben's is interesting. I think I'm going to I'm gonna read part of it because uh, it's interesting to get him reflecting on the end of the series. And as long as we're doing speeches, um, I'm not going to do a Ben Robb impression, but uh, I'll read what he has to say. So this is what Ben Robb writes on the letter call of Excalibur number 125. Giant steps. That's what writing Excalibur has always been about. A departure from the norm, a cut above the morass of tired old comics that seemed so prevalent at the time of the series' inception. A quantum leap left of center taken by creative giants like Alan Davis, Chris Claremont, and Warren Ellis. Masters of the superhero craft, visionary architects of adventures, wielders of the sword for over a hundred issues prior to this writer's humble arrival on the scene. Being a longtime fan of their collective bodies of work, I had watched each of them dare to take the European X-Men to places other comic book series feared to tread. They strove higher, they strove farther, and it showed. Month after month, they'd take yet another giant leap, and I'd be simply amazed. Amazed at how emotional or comical or horrifying a slam-bang, spandex-clad superhero book like Excalibur could be. Someday, I thought, someday I'm gonna do what those guys did. And then, when I was least expecting it, it was my turn. Ready or not, I had to take the same giant steps my predecessors took during their respective tenures at Excalibur's helm. And so every plot became a mantra for me. Every script, every koan, every puzzle that posed the question all writers face. How to set up a totally unexpected plot twist. What constitutes a clever turn of phrase? What ingredients flavor a gut-wrenching climax? I risked all and stood upon these giants' shoulders to scan the horizon for answers. Sometimes I found them. Sometimes, however, I did not. 
not. But that's the thing about giant steps. Taking them means taking risks. Editor Matt Adielson took a huge risk when he hired me, a virtual unknown, to write Excalibur for his support. I'm grateful. He thanks his editors, blah, 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 blah. But most importantly, I'm grateful to you, the fans. Without your comments, criticisms, and occasional and much appreciated compliments, the book wouldn't have lasted as long as it did. Ten plus years is a pretty good haul for any comic book series these days, and we at Marvel have you all to thank for it. So take yourselves a bow and a giant step forward. You deserve it. I do appreciate uh, Rob's humbleness there and um, his, yeah. uh, his attempt to sort of... Yeah, like cheerlead, sort of the origins of this book and his acknowledgement that uh, he didn't always hit it out of the park. But uh, it was, we tried. That was some of his best writing in the book. That was really yeah. good. That was a yeah. really well written letter. Yeah. Yeah. Not <laughs> that was excellent. That was absolutely like there's, I mean, I've said there's, there's been, there's been storylines of his that I really like. That was an excellent letter. That was really yeah. good. <laughs> I enjoyed <A> it. <laughs> I think we've got another speech. Hi, my name is Sean Gilmore. I'm a comic scholar at the University of Illinois. I was a guest on a very early episode of Ogasho Galio Wow, episode number five, Send in the Clowns. At the time, when Anna asked me to be on that episode, I wasn't really aware of Excalibur as a long-form comic. I had some sense of where it might fit within the Marvel continuity, but no real idea of how to engage with it in terms of its storytelling and character development. And the podcast has been a delight to follow over time as they've really explored how the comic evolves and changes and is an exemplar of one of the ways we might engage with long-form comic storytelling, which can be very hard to address in short-form print pieces. Our episode was the honorable mention uh, winner for the Comic Studies Society Pro uh, Public Scholarship Prize in 2022, and I couldn't be prouder of the work we did then and of the work that I've seen the podcast do since. I wish everyone the best and hope everyone takes care. Thanks so much. Aw, thank you, really Sean. Like, mm -hmm. All the way episode five. Like, just to have him mention that, it's like, wow. I like, know. When Brad the, like, because Brad, since it's number, well, he wasn't number one. He was on number three, guest. I think. Yeah. Three, yeah. First guest. And then that, so that, the, that stands out in my head as, oh, okay, well, obviously it was just the first guest. But like, Sean to say, oh yeah, episode five. I'm like, oh wow, Jesus. We have done this for a long time. That was, <laughs> that was three years ago. I know. I couldn't think of whether it was three years or four years, and I did have to check our website, but it is three years. <laughs> we started in February 2021, <laughs> which is wild. But um, looks like we have another remembrance. Hello there. This is Chapman Blake. Uh guest from back on episode 111 uh and first of all congratulations on an excellent series um on an excellent series um in terms of my favorite moment obviously a, a favorite personal moment for me would probably be getting to to jump on the podcast and and discuss <laughs> with you all um but as a listener and a, a longtime listener at that um i would have to say that my favorite personal moment or personal through line has been getting to hear you all each week and getting to hear the variety of different guests and, and variety of different perspectives and really just opening my mind about comics in general. Um, as I said in back in my episode, this is kind of the the thing that the the podcast that first made me realize that uh, comic studies is kind of something that I want to pursue. And I'm now in a place where I can say that I'm moved on from an aspiring comic scholar to an extremely novice comic scholar with a project <laughs> I'm on. So thank you so much. And uh, thank you for a, a wonderful uh, 126 plus episodes of a fantastic show. And I wish you all the best. 
Oh, thank you so much for that. I um, yeah, I mean, in terms of like honoring connections to the past and, you know, thinking about the larger arc of this book, I mean, you know, we mentioned that we didn't think Rachel was appropriately honored. We have her in the yeah. final image, you know, doing sort of a callback to Sword is Drawn in terms of them in this in this sort of fiery landscape, but looking hopeful toward the future. But I, I do have to say, I did kind of like, I mean, similarly to the way you could read Kitty and Colossus's wedding as, you know, her leaving her boyfriend at the altar because perhaps this isn't uh, the right orientation for her in, in some ways <laughs> to be marrying this guy in this moment. There is this element in which, you know, everybody's trying to force her into this heteronormative space with the her and Colossus thing. And yet she has this little moment of like, Rachel, God, I miss her. And it's just a little moment and it's not a lot. And I get that we want more. We want Rachel back. We miss her. But I think there's plenty of potential to seize on that little moment as Kitty's one moment of sort of genuine feeling in this issue. She doesn't want to be forced into this reunion with Colossus, but the moment where she says she really misses Rachel and says it quietly like a confession really struck me. I'll do a little more reparative. I actually like Kitty in this issue. (laughs) I like Kitty in this issue a lot because I'm okay. In fact, even today, even with, well, not right now, because she's going through some more important stuff in the literal literal current comics. But even where the character is today, unpopular opinion, I like her having conflicting feelings for Colossus. I don't want them to be married. I don't want them to be finished. But I like that this is a complicated relationship. And when written correctly, I like that it's, complicated by the fact of do i really want to marry my high school boyfriend it's complicated by the fact of i'm also sort of kind of in love with his sister it's kind of it's complicated by the fact of i've just grown up and i'm a different person now and and i like that she sort of in this book acknowledges her feelings for rachel in as much as she can she acknowledges her feelings for piotr saying maybe we get back together maybe we don't but she most importantly acknowledges I don't want this to be someone else's choice. I'll figure it out when I figure it out. Like, you know, like, like she doesn't want to do the whole bouquet thing. And she's like, this is obvious where it's going. I don't want, you know, like she, like she doesn't want any of it because she's tired of people forcing a life on her. And that is always my favorite kind of kitty when written. I really like her in extreme X-Men where she's like, yeah, I'm going to take a break and be a bartender for a while. Like, I like that version of the character who's like, I, I've been a superhero since I was 13 years old. Who am I as a person? Uh, like the whole thing about is she Kate Pride or is she Katie Pride? I don't like her decisively being Kate. I like her trying to figure it out. I like that she is, and I don't mean trying to figure this out like she's a kid. I mean trying to figure it out like, you know, she's got a family who treats her like a kid and she loves them. But they're, but she is just grown up and she's her own person now. I like the kitty that has to negotiate still being the kid of the X-Men with being the literal headmaster of the school. Yeah, I mean, she's sort of torn between poles in this issue. I, I will say, like, there's a lot of, and you know, full disclosure, I, I did once write a fan fiction set in the context of this issue, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> if you've read that, now I've revealed my secret identity. I know a couple of you out there know who I who know my pen name. But, um, but yeah, I think it's just an issue where there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we could expand on. And I'd love to just see, like, you know, 12 more comics expanding on some of those moments that we didn't get to see. Anyway, look Looks like it's time for another speech. Maxime Fontaine here, perhaps Nightcrawler's biggest French fan. 
I'm back with my despicable accent and wild enthusiasm, <laughs> and I just wanted to share the love. Excalibur still is my favorite comic book after all these years. So Claremont Davis synergy remains for me artistically unequaled. More than that, Excalibur is an important part of my youth. During the troubled time of adolescence, it definitely was my happy place. So glad Alan Davis came back with his gorgeous final cover for issue 125, because in a single drawing, it reignited the magic, the humor, the energies that were there at the very beginning. In my mind, Excalibur ends with his one, just like Uncanny X-Men ends with Claremont's first departure. I've always defended Excalibur against haters, skepticals, people with bad taste, and I think I always <laughs> will. Now, thanks to you, Anna, Mav, Andrew, this treasure of a comic book gains an academic value of 125 plus hours and therefore becomes unbeatable. Your presence, your work, your passion brought back this wonderful sense of excitement I felt back in the 90s. Yes, I felt it again with you, episode after episode. Because during the troubled time of adulthood, your podcast was definitively one of my happy places. And I think my English became a little better thanks to you. Aww. Legends <laughs> never die. See you all in another dimension. Bamf. Oh, that <laughs> was adorable. I mean, we should talk about the cover since Maxime brought it up yeah. because we haven't mentioned it yet. I mean, yeah, obviously mm -hmm. lovely to have Alan Davis returning for the cover. I mean, I hate being yeah. negative about it, but I will say that, I mean, because I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times before, but like later Alan Davis in the late 90s into the 21st century, this is a much cleaner, much shinier, much smoother Alan Davis than the Alan Davis of 1988. He's still an excellent artist. It's still him but it's 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 different it's just a little bit different and uh you can see that style reflected here i mean partly it's the computer coloring which i personally always think looks not the best with alan davis's style of line work i don't really like mm -hmm. that shading on his line work i think his line work is designed to stand on its own and it doesn't always look good with that style but mm -hmm. um it still is a gorgeous cover and yeah just in terms of things that do work getting him to come back and do the cover as much as it is you know disappointing to not have him on interiors when you get him on the cover like mm -hmm. kudos to them for doing that all right it looks like we have another remembrance i was so honored to be a part of not one but two episodes on gosh golly wow uh and i think the biggest thing for me is just absolutely adoring how much of an ideal boyfriend nightcrawler is like there will be nothing in my life that will replace anna and i just gushing over nightcrawler and how fucking sexy he can be <laughs> um but yeah we'll miss the podcast we'll miss uh, being on and uh, was great to be on with so many amazing people and to be in great company with all the other academics that guested on other episodes uh, even the ones that don't think Nightcrawler is the best goth metal boyfriend out there 
<laughs> Who on earth would ever be on our podcast and not believe that? Come, come now, come now. I choose these guests. I mean, I've said that I liked, I liked Dale. E- and yes, Laura, I very much enjoyed uh, gushing about sexy Nightcrawler with you as well. Uh, I'd hit that monster. I believe was a phrase uttered <laughs> on one of your first appearances during during Inferno. But uh, I talked about liking Eagle Sham's styling of Nightcrawler in some previous episodes. But one of the things that I was really noticing here here was Freudian slip because it's relevant to what I was going to say his hair is always in motion like Eagle Sham gives him this hair that's always blowing one way or the other and it gives you a sense of sort of the chaotic energy and movement of this character and I really think that's a nice touch I really liked that as a character styling point for Mm -hmm. him but uh, I don't know like I think it's about time for us to do some of our own reflecting on this three-year journey and like thinking about where we all ended up i mean i was going to talk about where these characters end up and going back to the x-men and stuff i feel like we've already talked about it but we can talk about it in conversation with our own reflections if we want i mean we all knew this was coming kurt gives the speech mm-hmm. about they're going back to their other family and you know warren interesting kind of a, is like yeah. speech for a wedding mm-hmm. you could do that tomorrow yeah. like you're like you know no, like that's... what are you doing he's like the person who's trying to like he's the person who announces a pregnancy at someone else's wedding you know it's like what are you doing yeah. this isn't your yeah. day come on yeah, yeah. this is a. Uh, I mean uh, it, it feels weird it feels like oh glad that's off but you know we got to be going to the people we love more than you yeah but again we got to go rescue professor no you have to go rescue rachel she's I in know. the time stream you are the cross time team like that is your job you can't have yeah. that picture at the end of the comic and then just not deal with Rachel. It is. Yeah. There's, I mean, things like that just feel weird. Right. Like, and I, it's like I don't understand. I, I don't know. It, it, like I get that it's an editorial mandate. It's a, it's a, yeah, this 100%. is the end. And this is, but you got to write around like, that. Yeah. We, we need to, we need to tell people, you know, why you are back in the other book next month. And yet I don't know that you do because the book could end and then they could show up on the front door because you know who that worked for? It worked for Rain. Rain just leaves X-Factor between issues and then she's in this book now. And, you know, we were fine. Like X-Factor was fine. This book was fine. And you kind of you kind of figured it out. Right. Like, I mean, X-Factor wasn't canceled, but like, you know, you could it, it feels weird to be like, and now we're going back for further adventures to, you know. So, I know. I, you could have yeah. done something more symbolic of them just being like, what's next? We'll see. And they look off into the distance or something. We didn't necessarily need to explain everything. But I understand from a marketing mm-hmm. standpoint how maybe that's wise. Well, because so much is devoted to, like, I hate the Doug Lock of this. I hate that's yeah, the part of this. It's that notable that we didn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's so much Doug Lock in here. And I do not care. I'm I don't sure want to talk about it. Like, how do you treat your friend like this? Your friend is like, first of all, they left him passed out for three days, apparently, and no one bothered to check on him or cared. And then they're like, what's wrong with you? Get dressed. And like, I mean, Rain eventually is like, Moira, you should take a look at him. But like, you left him passed out for three days. What is wrong with you people? That is a, You're that is a weird thing to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, he's a robot that shouldn't be able to get drunk anyway. And you're like, he's been drunk for three days. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have done something about this. You know, if your friend's been passed out for 15 minutes, <laughs> you, know, you check on him, right? Yep. Uh, Turn him on their side. Yeah. Right, right. You know, I, I don't know. So, so things like that. <laughs> 
that th- those are those are the negatives of the book, and I don't want to dwell on them too much because it's you know, like yeah. other on the other hand, like like Widget shows up, and last we knew, Widget was Kate, and nobody addresses it here. Don't worry about it. Move on. Uh, you know, yeah, so like that. I'm but that I'm actually fine with the weird because I know Widget's not gonna even reading this if I didn't know no expectation of Widget showing up for further adventures. This is a hey Moira, can you look into Douglock and we will figure out what's happening somewhere, and you know. Spoilers, it didn't matter because I can't actually remember why. Like, I, I know he eventually becomes Warlock and not Douglock. I, I don't remember why. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, like, you know, it, like, it goes nowhere. We've, you know, we've just gone through the entire Hawksbox era and we've never spoken of this again. Like, so who, who cares? <laughs> but <laughs> I know I just I didn't even want to talk about it because I didn't want to be negative about it. But it is uh, uh, interesting and strange and I think frustrating choice to structure mm-hmm. so much of this book around sort of like Doug Locke, who is not sure who he's in and all of his friends are ignoring it and they are bad people and bad friends and uh, I don't want to mm-hmm. focus on that when this should be a celebratory issue okay so instead what are we doing is that, is that, the, question? <laughs> yeah, was that well, the question you know the question was going to be us sort of reflecting on I mean we got this full circle idea at the end of this comic which is a nice way of saying that we're going to be resetting to before Excalibur began but we're different we've gone on mm-hmm. a journey we've gone on a cross time caper in terms of doing this podcast I don't know in place of final thoughts I thought I'd give us a chance to to sort of reflect on that a little bit you know like are we different than we were at the start of this podcast life is not quite the same way as serialized superhero comics we don't reset to the beginning we are changed by these experiences we live in within a shared continuity universe in which we don't get de-aged to 15 every few years so i mean i don't know let's start let's start with you andrew let's start with you i mean what's sort of I don't know. I don't know how I want to pose that question, but I mean, like, what's changed from you from the start of the podcast to, to where we are now, if anything? Well, I think in, in terms of my research portfolio in general, like one, one of the things I've been experimenting with for the last seven years has been public facing scholarship mm-hmm. and being able to tackle this particular like audio format and this sort of episodic format and sometimes not reading good comics format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my expression there is, is one that it was very successful in my eyes my, my, my vain eyes uh and two <laughs> that all credit and glory um and acknowledgement to, to anna for for putting this together and for booking the guests and it like, like a work. <laughs> murderer's row of really good comic scholars and people that i admire uh editing every single episode um writing every single script um yeah i'm just very happy to have been here giving i think i said when we first started i really wanted to just kind of watch you work um and i really got to do that to an absurd degree uh, and it was amazing and it held up really well so thank you very much for having me on here Jeez, Andrew, that's a little bit too much. Like, I mean, I think all the time about how thankful I am, you know, especially, especially, and there's been issues where I've come into the podcast with a little bit less enthusiasm. I'm always losing my way or stumbling over what I'm saying. And then I'm like, God, what a tremendous privilege to have Andrew and Mav always picking up the slack for me when I don't have anything interesting to say when I'm like sort of losing it. And yeah, recommend it. If you're going to host a podcast, host it with two of your smart and 
and funny friends. They're always going to be there to have your back when it's not your day. And I think about that constantly. And I've learned so much from both of you. But uh, Mav, Just I don't know. Just a second, your yeah. component of that, Anna. Like mm -hmm. when people ask me what Mav's like in person, first I say exactly like he is on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then I say he is the most gregarious person I have ever met in my life. That's and I think terrifying. that like that's what makes the podcast, Mav. <laughs> I don't. Oh, no, I... I don't know that that's true, but thank you, I guess. Um, I, it's weird. Like, so first off, I, I agree with everything Andrew said. Like, this is, we said this a, a few episodes ago. I, I show up, like, on my other show, I have to edit. There's a, it's a lot of work. And it, and that show is easier in a sense, because in a sense, the topic for Vox Pop any given week is what does Mav want to talk about? Sometimes it's one of the other hosts, but like, you know, like it's either me or Wayne or Monica or Hannah or Katya has something that we want to talk about. So we do a show on it. So there's never there, there's never an episode of Vox Pop where I'm not looking forward to it. It like it definitionally i mean yeah if it's a show that i don't have anything to do about i just don't show up on that episode and wayne hosts it or something or or or, or monica hosts it like that's a that's a thing that i can do on that show there is no not being excited for a vox pop because the entire concept of the show is here's something i want to talk about with my smart friends and so i do it did it yeah. this show can't be that like <laughs> and, and, and andrew just said it what's interesting about about ggw and what i kind of love about it i really like the shows that we've done on bad issues yeah okay like pulling back the veil being forced to do three episodes on prometheum exchange was good for me like because i because as a comic scholar if i'm going to write an article like even even when I write about something that I know other people might not like, right? Like, so when I wrote about Iron Fist or when I um, when I wrote about um, Killing Joke, which is controversial, and I understand the reasons why people don't like Killing Joke. And the reason I wrote an article on it was because I said, I have a take that I think is interesting and I want to get that thing out. And, you know, I knew going into it that I was going to have something that I wanted to say. I knew I was going to enjoy the process. That, by definition, can't be true when you're just going to do these 140 episodes no matter what. That's, you know, that's yeah. what this that's what this was. And mm. also going in, I knew that there were stretches of Excalibur. And I even remembered from reading it because I'd read it all. I knew that there were stretches where I was just going to not like the books for like eight episodes in a row. I knew that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. having to do it anyway and having to find a joy in it and have um <laughs> find not and, and i mean that sincerely find a joy in it not just like a personal at the end of the day this show is also me hanging out with my friends right like yeah. like, like yeah. so it's easy because i just get to talk you know it's like i get to talk to the two of you and whoever we've invited that week you know it's just it's it's a bullshitting session with friends of mine for which is cool but also the to find joy in the comic, in the discussion of something, even if I might have initially thought it was garbage, is an interesting scholarly episode, right? Like, it, it wouldn't work if we if we were able to, like, we skipped Weird War 3, and we even made a joke about it earlier. Like, mm -hmm. and that was the only thing we didn't do, and that's a special edition, so we didn't we didn't care, right? Like, I guess there are others, there's probably other specials. Well, we, we didn't do Pride and Wisdom, we thought about it. We didn't yeah, do it. But no. we, so, yeah. yeah, so there were other things, and we didn't do Kitty Pride Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Like, so there are, but, like, we did the entire main series, and it, it, I, I think that as a body of work, as an exercise, that is 
an interesting thing that I'm glad I did. And maybe again, maybe we'll, I'll do another one one day, but not not, not next week. Um, um, but like, <laughs> just like the as an exercise in public scholarship, like Andrew said, it is a fascinating format, and it's a interesting thing to do that I am so glad I did, and then I'm so glad I had you two to do it with. So. Wow. I mean, on that note, like we had a remembrance uh, sent in via email from our friend John Dorowski that maybe I'll just read. <laughs> Congratulations on the podcast. What a weird, wonderful ride it has been while also introducing listeners to an excellent selection of comic book academics. Here's to 125 plus episodes and 125 plus more. Wait, what? They're not doing more? But what about Excalibur Volume 2 and Excalibur Volume 3 and new Excalibur and Excalibur Volume 5? Um, yeah, not not immediately anyway, but we'll see. <laughs> They're different books. But as a format, I really enjoy this format. So, you know, maybe someday. <laughs> but I don't know that see. I want to do the Excalibur books. We've already done those. <laughs> I know. We'll see. We'll see where we end up. I I know that yeah. we'll certainly have this experience uh, between us forever. And I'm sure that we're all going to end up working together on various things because, you know, I'm going to miss hanging out with my friends. I you know. guys have a YouTube channel. I've got another I know, show. I know. We've got, you know... <laughs> It's like, like like you can find us, you know, like literally all three of us have books that you can buy. <laughs> we're, not, we're not going anywhere. And I know we're going to um, be back back in your back in your ear holes yeah. at, at some point after a little respite. But um, like l- literally if you, you know, I, I, I used to joke I'm on every podcast every week because I was doing mm. these two every week. And um, and I can't do every podcast every week. I do have a day job that takes up a, a fair amount of time. Um, but yeah. I but, you know, if, if, if people have a guest spot on a comic show that they want me to come talk about for, you know, one time. Sure, I'll do that. I love doing a, a guest spot on a comic show. I've said I've said no to some stuff this year, but I guess I'm more available coming up. But um, but yeah. Anyway, I was I was of course doing my own reflecting on it, and you know where we've been and where we've come. And I was thinking about it as I'm wont to do in context of my love affair with Kurt Wagner. And um, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm going somewhere with this. I swear. I mean, I the first sort of personal essay I ever wrote about Nightcrawler, which I think I I wrote just as sort of the pandemic was hitting North America. So it was an interesting time to kind of be rediscovering X-Men, but I know I wasn't alone in that. I wrote something like, and I'm paraphrasing here that, you know, these great fictional loves of ours sometimes find us again when we need them. You know, we might sort of fall out of love and then fall back in love with these great fictional loves that have sort of informed our lives, but they find a way of finding us again when we need them. And that's certainly been true throughout my life. It was true in terms of rediscovering Excalibur when I did and rediscovering the character of Nightcrawler when I did. It was sort of a dark, lonely time for a lot of us. I, you know, behind the scenes stuff is not something we've talked about on the podcast too much. But uh, when we started the podcast, it was uh, two months after my mother's terminal cancer diagnosis. So I had that going on as well. It was a, honestly probably the two hardest years of my life uh, were a couple of years of this podcast. And we've come through that and there's still challenges on the horizon. But it also occurs to me as a, as, a, as, a, as a type of moral, as a type of capstone, the lesson that I've really learned and tried to take to heart is that when you put love out into the world, love comes back to you as well. And the experience of sort of putting my love of these silly comics and even the silly character out into the world, it occurs to me that when this podcast is coming out, it's just going to be a couple of days off from uh, my one year anniversary with Adam. 
who I met through this world and through putting that love out into the world. And I've met so many wonderful friends by doing that as well. And that's a lesson I'll carry with me always, you know, the confidence to do that and put yourself out there and that love comes back to you. And that's not always true in life, but it's sometimes true. And for me, that podcast, <laughs> this podcast, as evidenced by all these wonderful remembrances throughout the pod, um, has definitely been that. So just thank you to the two of you. And thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to everybody that's guested on the pod. Just thank you for what an incredible experience this has been. And um, as a final thing, getting back to our regular format, let's do a letter from the Sword Storks letters page. <laughs> We don't have Alan Davis as a guest on this podcast. We did debate it at one point, trying to go for that that yeah. golden goose. We didn't do it, but we do have a letter from Alan Davis in the letter page of the final Swordstrokes column, and I'm going to end on that from Alan Davis. When I was asked to contribute this farewell to Excalibur, my first thought was that my last work in Excalibur was published in issue number 67, July 1993. So a lot of readers must be saying, Alan who? Well, I'm the lucky guy who Chris Claremont picked to partner with him in the beginning. I learned a lot from Chris and then editor Terry Cavanaugh, but best of all, I got to draw and later write some of the best characters in comics. And while there is plenty of reason to mourn the passing of a great comic book, I'm just profoundly grateful to have been involved with this series. So say we all, Alan. I was not born to live a man's life, but to be the stuff of future memory. The fellowship was a brief beginning, a fair time that cannot be forgotten. And because it will not be forgotten, that fair time may come again. I think we will wrap things up there, other than to say thank you once again so very much for listening to our silly podcast about this silly comic that we love so much. When we started this thing, as Mav said earlier, we'd be happy if we had any listeners at all and the passion so many of you have shown for this project, <laughs> both within this episode with your remembrances in general and in general is truly humbling. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. But while this podcast might be dead, we are not. So maybe let's remind our lovely listeners of where they continue to follow our exploits. I'll start with you, Andrew. Where can listeners follow along with what you're up to? I don't want to speak because you ended the podcast really well. So I'll just say Google me. Oh. Oh, <laughs> you can go check out Andrew's book, The Claremont Run. You can still follow Claremont Run on Blue Sky and Twitter. And you can still follow Sequential Scholars where we're doing new comics uh, analysis content all the time how about you mav uh i'm on whatever social media exists this week mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> they, they they seem to be very ephemeral and fly by night these days but i'm usually at chris maverick most places um right now i'm mostly using facebook actually it's the most it's oddly the most stable which is kind of weird because like <laughs> it's not what i would have expected but i'm on twitter and in blue sky um and i do have my other show vox popcast um where you know i'm on that almost every week um just about so please you know we could always use the listeners um and <laughs> if you really think i'm gregarious and fun which again i'm not sure i am <laughs> but like if you're if you're gonna miss me you can find me there talking about comics sometimes but also just other weird pop culture stuff and you know spoilers sometimes you might see one of the two of them on that <laughs> or hear one of the two of them because they're they're frequently guests um i you know i like i said i'm i will be it if you're on the academic conference circuit i'll be at pca aca in chicago and like probably when this comes out in about a month um 
if you're a member of that organization, vote for me. Um, um, <laughs> I, I got a, <laughs> I got a, <laughs> that I'm working on. We'll see. You know, I, I guess I'm about a year away from that. Well, I actually, I'm, I'm constantly in other books from like Farland. Yeah. Because uh, so I've got like two that I have articles forthcoming in one on Batman and one on X Men, and then I'm working on a Batman book. So, which we've talked about on this show before. So, you know, there's always, there's always places to find me. You know, if you want to enroll in the university of Pittsburgh, I, you know, <laughs> <just gonna talk laughs> to yeah, I mean, you can find me at all the usual spots. I'm, I'm still on Twitter. I'm on blue sky. If you know me, I might add you as a friend on Facebook and um, yeah, there'll be, there'll be more stuff in the future. I'm, I'm confident of that. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see what those things are going to be. In the meantime, the podcast endures on your podcatchers and our website, goshgollywow.com, and on our social media accounts. I can't promise the socials will be super active in the wake of the pod, but if you want to chat Excalibur, you can always find us there on X slash Twitter and Blue Sky at goshgollywow. Thank you, Mav and Andrew, for being the best darn podcast co-hosts a girl could ever possibly ask for. Thank you all once again for listening, and a special thanks to Maximilian of Thought for our music for our truly epic theme song, The Sky's the Limit. 